Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Um, We have a, a lovely day in front of us. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't meet my category of lovely because it's still going to be 95 degrees today and high, high humidity. Got to take what you can get, I guess. But if you look at the weather report, it looks so promising for the next week. We actually have days where the high is in the low 80s. We have 80% chance of rain on Wednesday, 70% chance on Thursday. Oh, what more can you ask for? That is springtime rain temperatures. And that means if you're betting on the rain, You've got some really good things to think of here. Great to get this weekend to get fertilized. Okay? Get your turf fertilizer out if you haven't already. This is a good time after that rain, when everything starts popping again, to get your corn gluten out there, to use that as a pre-emergent to try to prevent those weeds. You see, we've been living in a drought, if you haven't figured that one out. Um, We've been living in a drought, so have the weed seeds. So going that long with that hard of rain, excuse me, with that hard of drought, now that we're gonna start getting rain and we're gonna get cooler temperatures, you're going to see those weeds germinating. And corn gluten can give you four to six weeks of protection. It releases various chemicals uh, when it breaks down that prevent the seeds from germinating. That's why we use it at this time of the year. You may, though, because it looks like kind of heavy rain Wednesday and Thursday, You may want to wait and think about uh, letting the worst of the rain go by and then, and then turn around and put down your corn gluten. Now, if the ground is damp, that means the corn gluten is going to stick to it pretty good, which is what we want. It'll start breaking down, releasing those chemicals, and start attacking to prevent those weed seeds. I'm just watching the run right now, and it looks like Wednesday is a possible flash flood warning day. Not Thursday, but Wednesday. So you may want to wait till after Wednesday's rain to put down that corn gluten. You don't want it to wash away. Fertilizer shouldn't be a big problem. And you know, Wednesday and Thursday, this front moves through, 
or the high will be in the 80s or less. Oh, that'll be heaven. We'll get our one week of fall. <laughs> and then it'll turn crazy again, weather-wise. This is going to cause a lot of greening up. Plants, shrubs, trees, flowers, and that's fine. That's fine. That's, we need a break for that. So those are the things you're going to be looking for. What has changed? What has changed from all of the heat, all of the all of the conditions we went through? You're going to catch what made it and what didn't, and hope for the best. Um, got a question since we've been talking about clover. Does clover die back on its own? That is a yes, generally. When it gets warm enough, the, the clover won't be able to keep up, and it basically burns out. So it will grow well during the cool weather, but when it gets warmer... It will just get beat to death, basically, and that will get rid of it. So that's an advantage of that cover crop. It works well to uh, restore nitrogen to the soil. It's kind of funny because prior to about 1940-something, when they did lawn of the week in neighborhoods, the person with the most clover, the most clover in their turf grasses won. They had the best looking lawn when it had lots of clover. Well, they had a little problem. Uh, they had a little problem here when they came up with the artificial fertilizers the weed and feeds treated clover like a weed. So we don't see that anymore. They, who's got the greenest lawn? Not the most clover in the lawn. We kind of got marketed out of it. So uh, clover will do good and it will end its own life in the heat. Okay. You can cut it into the soil anytime you want, but... When the warm weather comes, it will take out the clover. Now, what else have we got? I got another question here. Ooh, something I want to hear. Someone is trying to remove some invasive Nandina. And they cut it to the ground. But what they're finding out, they're still getting new growth from the root. So what you can do is cut it flush and then in the stumps themselves, drill some holes, um, three-eighths to uh, half-inch holes into the trunk. Then take and fill it. 
fill it with a high nitrogen fertilizer and then wet it a little bit. You kind of want to make a mush. What's going to happen is that fertilizer is going to feed the bacteria that will break down those roots. Now, you may still have to peek out there every once in a while and cut those stems that are popping up flush to the ground. But that is how you can rot out the stump fairly easily without using something particularly nasty to do so. But it will take some time. Mandinas are <clears throat> well known for coming back from the roots, and you're going to have to deal with that for a little bit of time. But poisoning the stump with too much of that nitrogen fertilizer, they will start to decompose and end your problem. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, a word of warning about corn gluten. I haven't heard this one in a while. I personally went through this. And uh, I was disappointed and surprised, to say the least. I bought a bag of corn gluten, and I stored it in an outdoor storage shed I have. And I came out there one day to get it to use some, and it had holes in the bottom of the bag and hardly any corn gluten left in it. Mice or rats got into it and started eating it. So that was a waste. So if you're keeping corn gluten somewhere, make sure that the bag is secure. An old trash can with a good lid is probably all you need to keep the critters out. And the other thing is, is you want to make sure you don't get it wet. There's a big problem with getting it wet. It may start breaking down on you. Um, decomposing products do not smell good. And you have to deal with that if it starts doing that to you. Um, but the, the corn gluten, you, you don't want to buy a bag of corn gluten and not use it for a year. Even if you manage to keep the animals or critters from eating it, it's still going to have an issue where it could break down. And it will not, oh, no, it will not be a pleasant smell. Ooh. I mentioned uh, sulfur as a method to keep out um, pests, insects mostly. Uh, it is my current favorite chigger control. I'm not sure uh, of anything else of using it for anything else because I just want to get rid of chiggers. I have not heard of it being harmful for any pets. If you want 
don't just go to the search engine. When you Google a question, you will get every possible answer, including all the wrong ones. Go to Google Scholar. Google Scholar. These are reviewed, peer-reviewed papers and reports. Doesn't it mean that you can still get a wacko reply? Yes, you still can. But it greatly reduces the issue, especially when it comes to things like, can this cause harm? I've not seen anything that says anything that says there's an issue with sulfur in pets. It tastes bad to them. That helps. Um, and as for the only problem is if you have your typical dog who rolls around on the ground, he can roll around on some of the sulfur pellets. And he may not smell the best when he comes back in the house. <clears throat> but I don't know of anything that says it's bad for uh, pets, birds, or ducks. I'm not sure where those uh, sources are, if they're even valid sources. But um, try, when you're doing a search, to find out a piece of information Try doing the search on Google Scholar. The answers are much more reliable rather than a whole bunch of opinions all over Google. Um, someone asking about wanting to plant Bermuda now. Wait uh, till after the rain. The soil temperature is still kind of hot. Bermuda is uh, good for up to about 85 degrees. Up to 85 degrees is a good germination. Above 85 is too hot. So if you're going to try to plant Bermuda seed, let it rain first. The temperatures will then be dropping and you'll be putting Bermuda on wet soil, which will help it germinate. Now, um, got various questions here trying to answer. Oh, can you cover crop anywhere? Yeah. Look, cover crop Cover cropping covers the ground with green material, basically. You don't have to go, oh, well, I have to cover crop in a garden bed. No, no. If you have bare soil, one of the ways to improve that soil is to um, put down a cover crop and let the cover crop do its job. Breaks up the soil, adds organic matter, collects nutrients, everything you need. And you know, some of the cover crops have a little bit of ability to support some traffic. 
Now, there's no answer for dogs. There's no answer for dogs. Dogs tear up any kind of grass. Dogs will still tear up the clover, though it is safe for them to run through. Of all the crops, that's not going to cause a problem for the dogs. But you can walk on the clover, although it'd be nice if you're not doing it multiple times a day every day. But yes, bare spots, cover crops are a great solution for that part of the um, turf. Let's see. We have, uh, oh, so how do you keep weeds out of a rock garden? Well, two things you can do. If the rock is always is already down, it's kind of a pain. However, if you are, have not put the rocks down yet, put down a layer of cardboard, a regular sheet cardboard. Lay it flat, overlap it, don't leave any holes, and then set the rocks in it. That will help keep any weeds from getting sunlight and growing. Number two, because it's a rock garden, you can use the horticultural vinegars, uh, the organic um, sprays, uh, to get rid of anything that comes up. You will win the battle if you're consistent with it. But otherwise, you have to remember birds and the wind and critters carry seeds and deposit them everywhere they want to. You're, you can use the organic weed killers. You can use the... Uh, horticultural vinegar, but nothing is going to work perfectly since if you kill one plant, you still have the possibility of a critter bringing a seed in on you. <clears throat> so that's going to be a bit of a problem. But that is the way you can do it to get it in the rock. You can use pretty severe uh horticultural vinegar because you're spraying it on rocks. You're not risking turf grasses. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. It's the bottom of the hour. I need to break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Somebody texted me a comment here that makes a lot of sense. Um, I've purchased cover crop seeds in semi-bulk, you know, in multi-pound packages. And I don't necessarily use them all, all the time. So part of the problem is, is I got to keep track of Okay, when did I buy these? When do these seeds expire? Did I keep them somewhere where they can handle it? So you want to store seeds in a cool, dry place for the most part. 
Well, that means not in the garage during last summer, not in an outdoor shed last summer. So I have to kind of pay attention as, okay, I bought these this year and I've used them two years in a row because they will start to degrade. That's, um, that's mostly the word for it. The seeds become too old and you will start to get fewer and fewer of them to germinate. That doesn't mean that you've got a bad product. It just means that the seeds weren't kept right or uh, don't have a long lifespan as it is. Some seeds can last 10 years and still have great germination rates. And some seeds, you're lucky if you have year-old seed and you still get 50% germination. That's really kind of a problem. But it's something that, you know, get a marker, put it right on the package. Hey, bought it on this state, used it on this state. So that you know that you still have viable seed grow, uh, available to grow. So what about some of these cover crops? Now, I'm I'm speaking uh, I'm speaking about clover and vetch for the most part. The cold cover crops. All right? These plants will die out on their own. Now, vetch may come back a little bit, but nowhere near what it will come back. Um, if you seed every year. So some of it will overwinter. Not usually a lot. Not, not usually a lot, but some of it will overwinter and you will still have, uh, you will still have a plant. Now, part of the issue with what we have for for seeds, uh, things like that, we need to use them when you can. Use them when you can. Because what happens is we buy a lot of seeds and wind up throwing them away. And that can be a real problem because doing so, doing so can be a, a waste for you. Clover, things like that, you can, luckily, luckily, get a couple of years out of clover. Vetch, maybe a little longer, storing it in cool temperatures. And remember, it's not like, oops, it's two years, none of these are going to germinate. No, it means after two years, 
much fewer of them are going to germinate. It's usually not a 100% loss. Even five-year-old seeds that aren't supposed to still be around, they can still germinate. Let's go to the phone. This is Duncan. Duncan, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Um, listening to you talking about seeds made me think of asking you this, uh, hopefully give me a kind of a general answer. If one was to buy bulbs, have not planted them and, and found some that you didn't even know you had, and you know they're at least over a year old, how long can bulbs stay in, you know, the packaging that they come in, that sawdust and stuff, before they're no longer viable if you plant them in the ground? Okay, good question. Usually, you can take the bulbs that are there and you can start to squeeze them. You want to lightly kind of rub off the paper outside of them, the, the, the dry leaf part. And if you still get to a hard core, well, hard is probably not the right word for it, a very firm core, you stand a chance of them growing. You're really pushing it because they've been so long without water, but you can try them. It won't be a, it shouldn't be a whole loss. You should get some of them to still come back, but I wouldn't try to go another year. Okay. So clearly if, if I take off kind of like a, the analogy, maybe is like an onion kind of peel away some of that and then kind of squeeze it to see if it's got a firmness to it. And of course, if it's mushy, um, or any, it's it just way too soft and probably that would not be worth planting, but something that seems firm would be worth planting, correct? Yes. If it's all mushy, it's probably just decomposed on you and you won't get anything. If there is any firmness at all, and you can kind of peel away to get down to where that core is, and it's still there and it, you know, it's got um, some moisture to it, um, it's still firm, you stand a good chance of that bulb growing. Okay, great. Hey, can I uh, ask you one more question? It just came top of mind. Um, it'll be a quick one. Um, yes, sir. What are some of the, what are some of the big um, things that I should think of if I'm going to be looking at buying a, a couple of Italian cypress um, to be you know, uh, like a state, uh, a statement type of plant to look stately at the house um, and kind of offset things, you know, because they, they can be very striking. Is there anything I should need to know? Yeah, uh, I would not suggest them. And here's why. Ah. They suffer spider mites, something fierce, and it's regular. I mean, you will find great beautiful Italian cypress straight up in the air. They'll look great and they will get brown out on them. There'll be big patches of brown and it'll be streaked and usually it's the lower five feet maybe, but they regularly suffer from spider mites. And it's not particularly hard to treat, but by the time you recognize it, it's going to take a while for it to recover. So you're going to have a brown spot or 
spots or half the bottom of it is going to be brown from the mites till you treat the mites. So they can look fantastic, but because of that, they can require a little extra maintenance. And if you're lucky, it's simply uh, spraying with um, or, uh, insecticidal soap. That can be enough to conquer the mites, but it it's really easy to get behind. So listening to you here, um, obviously I don't know if I have mites if it starts browning. So it makes me wonder, can I be proactive and just maybe twice in a year, uh, twice in a fall through spring, excuse me, springs through fall uh, session, or maybe in the winter, but like maybe twice a year, spray what you're talking about, that, that soap, as a preventative to where it's like, I don't know if I have them, but periodically do that, because I'm sure it's not going to hurt the plant or the tree, but maybe it'll, if it's developing and I don't know it, it'll kill it off before I get these brown spots, because I'm sure you're going to tell me that if I get brown spots, yeah, I can cut them away, but it's not going to grow back in the same area, and it's going to look awkward. You're right on the last bit. You can wind up with weird patches and uneven cut trees. Can you do preventative? Yes, you can, but you got to understand something. Um, mites are the insect version of rabbits. They multiply so fast that you're really talking spraying every couple of weeks. And even then you can fall behind and may have to spray as often as once a week. So yes, you can do it as a preventative, but you gotta be religious about it and frequent. Okay. Yeah, I can see my wife, cause she really wants these. I can see my wife saying, well, if we got it, if Jeff says we gotta do that, we're gonna do it. So. My final question, what again is what I, what do I need to spray it with? You mentioned texticidal soap or can you better? In, yeah, with? in, insecticidal soap. Insect oh, got it. Soap. And a hose end sprayer works fine. You will reach the day when you cannot get to the top. That's fine. Keep them controlled as much as you can. You spray, you soak the tree hard, you make sure it's just starting to drip, and then you do that frequently. Okay. Um, and th and I can find that, what, that insecticidal soap? is nothing I make. It's just something I find at a Lowe's, Home Depot, can, local, local garden store, something like that. Yes, you can, <laughs> though you may be able to successfully make one. You use... Um, True liquid soap. It should say SOAP. And you can get the ratio right putting it in a hose end sprayer. It's usually it's about a teaspoon per quart. So amp it up to the how much per gallon and dial it in on the hose end sprayer. But you want to use soap, not detergent. No blue stuff okay yeah because i i've 
I've heard from people like you that, you know, the famous Dawn type of soap, <laughs> I, apparently the exoskeleton of a lot of insects, um, it, I guess it suffocates them and kills them. And so something as simple as a, a Dawn type of soap mixed with water will, will kill things like that. I think, I think aphids or something. I heard that about aphids, if I'm not mistaken. It does, like but it's hard on the leaf structure. That's part of the problem. It can burn oh. out some of the leaves. That's why plain soap does the same thing, but it doesn't harm the plant. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jeff, for taking my call and letting me ask so many questions of you. Sure. Thanks for the call, Duncan. Susan, I okay. see you there. I got to take a break, and I will catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you have the opportunity today to go outside before it gets too unbearably hot. And yes, I have to admit it, I've grown into a wimp. When it comes to the weather, I would be out in 100 degree weather every day, never bother me. Now, I almost need to be in air conditioning 100% of the time. So sneak out there and get some stuff done. Get a good look at what's going on and what you may have to do. Come finally getting some rain and the weather returning. Let's go to the phone. This is Susan. Susan, what can I help you with? Hi, good morning. I want to tell you, um, I'm, oh, excuse me, I'm, trans, I'm replanting roses that I lost this last year, and at a nursery, um, the guy suggested that I fill the hole with water first and then plant the roses, and I did that, and they had no transplant shock. It's amazing. They just took off. And so I'm also doing that in my vegetable garden, and I've never done that. I've never put water in the hole first and then the plant, but it's been really effective, and I just wanted to share that with you and your listeners. Yeah, what they're doing is they want you to check and see what the drainage of the hole is. Generally, they'll tell you whether it's a tree, a veggie, a rose, that if you dig the hole and you fill it, it should be empty in 24 hours or less, meaning it is drained out in that period of time. Now, I've had ones where I've done what you're describing, and where I dug the hole, it was almost two days before the water finally drained out. But that's what you're doing. You're checking to make sure that the soil has the drainage that you need. And, of course, the other advantage is you've got water nice and deep, which gives the roots a place to go to really help the plant get started. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. I just wanted to share that with you. That works really well, Susan. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Well, Bye. It's a great way to see what's your soil like. Um, normally, we talk about digging the hole for the plant and putting it in when you get it dug. But if you're having problems digging, if it's really lots of rock or clay, um, if you're not so sure if it's going to drain, 
You can do what Susan suggests here. Dig the hole, make it the size that it needs to be. Remember, it does not have to be deep. It only needs to be as deep as the root ball itself. Doesn't have to be a three foot deep hole. So you make it as deep as the root ball, maybe even just a little bit shallower than that. And you make it two to three times the diameter of the root ball. When you get that dug, you fill it with water and you see how long it takes for it to drain out. It should be less than 24 hours. That would be a good sign. If it is still full of water 24 hours later, you're really going to need to amend that soil. Because roses, as one plant, as an example, roses do not, do not want to sit with wet feet all the time. Drainage is really important for them to be successful. So if you fill it, the water drains out in that period of time, you've just soaked the soil nice and deep. So when you put the plant in, you backfill it with the soil you dug out, <clears throat> and you water it one more time. Not a ton, but enough to make sure that water got around the roots. And there you go. Your rose will get a great start. And do this with trees, too. Um, I actually used it as kind of a precursor to realize that I wasn't gonna be able to plant the tree that I wanted. I went to dig a hole for a pecan tree, which right off the start should have told me something because there was no way I was gonna get the depth I needed for the pecans. But when I dug the hole and I filled it with water, it was full of water for a couple of days. And with that poor drainage, that pecan would have never stood a chance. So, Something they got to deal with, and it's a quick way to determine if this is going to be a good spot for the plant that you have, for what you want to plant there. Now, with the weather that we have coming, fertilizers, probably just fine to put them down now. Corn gluten may be a better bet to wait until after Wednesday. With a flash flooding alert, well, one, you shouldn't be out there in the rain spreading it. But with the flash flooded alert, putting it down now, it's possible a lot of the corn gluten get washed off your property. And that is, that's an expensive proposition. Because corn gluten isn't the most inexpensive product but it works really well. If you let it rain and we're into less violent rain, it'll be really good because the corn gluten will stick to the soil. It'll stick to what green grass you have because it'll be damp and it'll be just what we need. So fertilizer, sure. Now or after the rain, corn gluten, 
I think you want to wait till after the rain to get the most benefit from it. Heavy rain just means it can wash it away. And I didn't buy it to treat my neighbor's yard. Okay. So consider putting it down um, after all of the hard rain. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Coming up at the top of the hour, I will talk to you all next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a good weekend.